Well, this morning, uh, we're diving into our last message in our series on Spirit-Led, and uh, how many of you guys have enjoyed the past four, three weeks of the Spirit-Led series? I, uh, yeah, it's been good, right? Pastor Paul's done an awesome job. I have got to catch up on podcasts because I've been teaching Explore and so uh, on Sunday morning. So we've actually switched this morning, so he's actually on the other side. He's actually teaching Explore, and um, I'm in here with y'all this morning, but... Um, so this morning we're going to dive into that last message on, on spirit and spirit-led. And throughout the next few months you might hear spirit-led come up because we're, we're really looking at if we want to be a people who are going to change, change the culture and we're going to be a people who are going to impact our community, we have to be a people who are spirit-led. And not just one person, not just two people, but as a body, we have to be spirit-led, each individual in each one of our own lives. And uh, so this morning, how many of you guys, I want to do a little illustration this morning, how many of you guys like oranges? You guys like oranges? Anybody want an orange this morning? Anybody want an orange? Sharif, can you catch? There's a reason why I'm on this stage and not in Florida at spring training. So, you ready? Hey, there we go. Who else wants an orange this morning? Anybody else want an orange? Okay, Joe, you ready? I have a direct line here. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm afraid I'll hit Deb in the face. There we go. Cool. Well, our cleaning crew probably wouldn't appreciate it if you like started peeling it right here. So maybe wait till after service, but I'm going to go ahead and peel mine. Right. So I love oranges. I love my favorite orange is a blood orange. How many of you guys ever heard of a blood orange? I better do this over top of here. You like blood oranges? They're my favorite. I, I love them. They're so sweet. My parents used to live in Florida and we used to get blood oranges all the time. And uh, they were some of the sweetest and tasty oranges that there were. But I know that oftentimes whenever you peel an orange, you never really know what the inside is going to taste like, right? They're all orange on the outside, right? I mean, most oranges are orange. I mean, if you pick a green orange, then you picked a really bad orange. So those of you who eat green oranges, I'm sorry. But you pick an orange, you open it up, right? You take a little piece of it. Oh, you bite into it. That's a good orange. Sometimes... You take that first bite, and you're like, what in the world did I just bite into, right? I thought it was an orange that tastes like a lemon, and they're really sour. I love, I love fruits and veggies that taste like candy, right? Anything that tastes like candy is good. I'll eat any fruit as long as it tastes like candy. I'm not eating fruit that tastes like a sour pickle or something. Have you ever, uh, so when you peel it, peel it back, and we're walking, and same, same in our lives, when our, when our lives are peeled back, no matter what we're going through, what we're walking through, when you peel back the shell, on the inside, are you sweet or are you sour? Do you have a sweet taste or do you have a sour taste? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, as believers, our fruit of our lives should be sweet. Should have a sweet. This is actually a really good orange. I'm going to have another piece. Is that Okay. <laughs> It actually burns my throat really bad. That's probably not a good thing. Our fruit should be sweet. So this morning, if you would turn with me, we're going to be in Galatians 5. And this has kind of been our, our series uh, theme verse. is isn't from Galatians 5. But we're actually going to spend the whole, most of the time this morning in Galatians 5 and then in one other portion of Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you on the, on the underneath the chair and 
If you don't have a Bible, you can take that Bible with you. Um, We just believe that everyone should have the Word of God accessible to them. So Galatians 5 and, and verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I love how the New Living Translation says it. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I, lo- I love the way that it says that. When the Spirit leads us, we look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And I know that Pastor Paul has said that over the past few weeks, time and time and time again, because it is so true. When we are people who are led by the Spirit, we look less like ourselves and more like Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk about producing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And many of you guys have maybe heard about the, the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. And, and if you've been in church, you've probably talked about it. And maybe you've had somebody take an orange and be like, the fruit of the Spirit is this. And you have a banana and it's another fruit. And yeah, on down the line, if you know the song, there's a song that goes along with that. But the Holy Spirit fills us when we start a relationship with Him. And at that moment, a transformation happens in our lives. And last week, Pastor Paul talked about the gifts of the Spirit. This week, I'm going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And they're two different things. And oftentimes, oftentimes we confuse those two in our, in our, in our Christian walk and in our, in our lives. When we're having conversations, we confuse gifts and fruit. Gifts are given to each person as the Holy Spirit determines. Fruit is a result of salvation. Fruit is, something you, fruit is not something you can produce to receive salvation. It is something you produce because of salvation. Hear me there. It's not something you try to produce to receive salvation. It is something that you produce because of salvation. And oftentimes we look at the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and we say, I have to be more loving in order to be a Christian. I have to be more kind in order to be a Christian. No, you are loving, you are kind, because you are a Christian. See, there's a, there's a, different, there's a difference there. And in Galatians 5, we're going to read, we're going to go back, we're going to revisit verse 16, and we're going to read verse 17 and, and talk about this this morning. So um, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Sour fruit is produced by our sinful nature. Sweet fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit as we yield to him. And so there's this battle that goes on inside of each one of us. And it doesn't matter whether you've been serving God a day or whether you've been serving God for 30 years. There's a battle that is constantly going on inside of us. Do I do the right thing and how the Holy Spirit leads, or do I give, or do I do what the whole, on the, or do I do what the sinful nature, my human nature, myself, wants me to do? And there's this battle back and back and forth. How many of you guys have ever been there? You feel that struggle. I feel that struggle in my life. I feel that struggle of I know that I should do this, but for some reason I really want to do this, and I don't understand why I want to do this because this I know is right, but this is where I, maybe I'm, I'm bent to do. I, I'm. I'm torn to do, and I want to do. And, and oftentimes, we don't, under, we don't recognize the battle that's not only going on inside of us, but it's going on around us at the same time. Paul says in Romans that, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. The things I know to do, I don't do. 
And there's this battle that goes back and forth. And sometimes we feel maybe one way on Sunday mornings and we commit to God that this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to change my life. And Monday morning rolls around and we go, but yesterday I really committed to that. But today I want to do something different. I want to do something that's completely against what, we, what I said yesterday I wanted to do. Or Wednesday comes around. How many of you guys, like, Mondays really aren't a problem for me. It's more like Wednesdays. Wednesdays is my, like, Monday. You know, I, I get up, I'm like, oh, I still have half the week left, right? But maybe Wednesday morning we find ourselves and we're going, man, at the beginning of the week I was really, like, walking in the right path and I knew how God and I was listening to the Spirit and, and I heard what he was saying and now I'm on Wednesday morning and, like, all of a sudden it's like, I, I want to do this other thing. I want to go this other direction. I want to make this other decision, you know, maybe it's watching something we shouldn't watch. Maybe it's listening to something we shouldn't listen to. Maybe it's, maybe it's saying penetrating words that, you know, maybe are, are funny for some people but actually tear somebody down. Maybe it's, maybe it's giving in to the gossip conversation. We wish we wouldn't do it, but it comes so easily often. Why is there a struggle? A struggle between flesh and spirit. Why is there a struggle between, with, between sinful nature and, and the spirit inside of us? I really believe it's because it's our default setting. Our default settings. If you have a smartphone with you this morning, you can get it out, right? Get it out real quick. Did you know that this thing has default settings on it? Your computer at home has default settings. And, and, and it, they're constantly changing. Your, your settings are, are, you're constantly changing the default settings from your phone. You change your ringtone, right? Like I have this cool ringtone. It's, uh, how many of you know the song, the song Happy, right? By Pharrell Williams. That's my ringtone. That was not a default setting on my phone. I put that. I changed the default setting in that. You change the background, right? So my background is, you know, this verse that says, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. You know, it's my background on my phone, right? That wasn't a default setting on my phone. I changed that. <clears throat> when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we change the default setting in our life. A transformation takes place. As we grow deep in our relationship with Christ, we begin to yield ourselves to God's will. And we give him permission to change us. We give him permission to change the default settings in our life. But what happens is, is we often tend to fall back and hit the reset button on the default settings. If you have an iPhone and you go to settings, you go to general, at the bottom there's a thing that says restore default settings. And oftentimes in our lives, what happens is, is life hits the fan, right? Stuff starts to happen. And what do we do? We go to settings and we hit general and then we hit restore default settings. And in our lives, we restore our default settings back to the sinful nature in, in our lives. I believe to produce spiritual fruit, we have to change the default settings of our lives. So what are the default settings? What are the sinful nature in our lives? Well, Glad you asked, because Paul goes on to address that in the next, next verse, in verse 19. In Galatians 5, he says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I love that. The results are very clear. It's, like, it's not like there's a gray area. It's like, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the results. Here's what they are. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then I love how he says this at the end, and other sins like these, and other sins like these. Can you imagine that? This writer here is saying that there are, these are our default settings. These are, these are the default settings. 
But Paul is saying, be aware of this as believers. He's saying, as believers, be aware. Be aware that this is how, this is, this is your default settings. Be aware of that. Because when you say yes to being spirit-led, when you say yes to changing your default settings, a transformation begins to happen. When we give our lives to Christ, a transformation begins to happen. And the Holy Spirit guides us. Here's the thing, guys, is we can't change these default settings on our own. I can't change these default settings on my, on my own. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit do we, have the, do we have the ability to say, I am not doing this. I am not doing this. I am not going to give in to this. I'm not going to give in to what Paul says here, the desires of my sinful nature. If you've given your life to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you that gives you the power, the ability to change the default settings in your life. And if you're here this morning and you're struggling and and trying to do what is right, and and it seems you can't do it on your own, you're absolutely right. You cannot do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. My default settings do not allow me to do it on my own. It's only through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives that we can change our default settings. With the Holy Spirit, you have the ability. You might have these desires, but you have the ability to say, I'm not going to do this. I am not going to participate in this conversation. I am not going to turn on this video or whatever. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to participate in that game or in that activity or in that conversation. I have the ability to flip the switch because I've yielded my life to Christ because I'm spirit-led. I want to be more like Jesus and less like myself. To produce spiritual fruit, we must change the default settings of our life from being a sour fruit to being a sweet fruit. I think number two, to produce spiritual fruit, we have to cultivate our lives. So we have to change our default settings and we have to cultivate our lives. I love that, that uh, during our worship time that Lisa said change. She had no, no idea what I was kind of speaking on this morning, but really that's what it comes down to. Is there how, we have to give the Holy Spirit permission to change our lives. When we spend time in the presence of God, we spend time, like that song was saying, when we spend time in his presence, there's default settings that change. And it, actually the song actually lists some of those, like what we see changes. Our default settings is to see what the world sees, but with the power of the Holy Spirit inside us, we begin to see what the, what, what, what the Spirit sees. We begin to see what Jesus sees inside of people. What we seek after in our lives changes because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, because our default settings have been changed. So to produce spiritual fruit, we must change our default settings. Forgive me this morning. To produce spiritual fruit, we also have to cultivate our lives. We can't just change the default settings and say, oh, I, I've done this and I've changed this setting and I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to move on with life and and that's what's, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, we have to cultivate our lives. And I'm going to read eight verses from John 15, so please bear with me. I know eight verses is a lot, and you can follow along. They're going to be on the screen. Or if you want to turn to John 15 in your Bibles, you, you can do that. And I want you to find the word that is repeated from John 15 time and time again, okay? It says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what's the word that you see repeated there? Remain? Fruit? Remain? 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 Are we on the... Rain, remain? I didn't hear a lot of responses this morning. Are we here this morning? Hello? Hello? Are you out there? Remain. We see the word remain. He says, if you remain in me, if you, and I remain in you, I, you remain in me. If you do not remain in me, we have to cultivate our lives. We can't just change the default settings. We have to cultivate. Remain in me. Remain in me. How do we remain in him? See, we have the choice every day to remain in Christ. We have the choice to cultivate our lives to produce spiritual fruit, to bear spiritual fruit. So how does one cultivate their lives? Well, I look at it this way. Every morning when I'm on my way here, I drive past a lot of nice houses with really nice yards. Actually, my neighbor, for an example, my neighbor has a great yard. He has, a, it's always green. It looks good. And it, like my yard, I don't know why, but it like turns yellow. And like, there's a line, like our property line. On his side, it's green. On my side, it's brown. And I don't understand I mow my yard sometimes, and I mean, it rains on it, so it should grow, right? They're really, it's really manicured. It's fluffy. It's a nice full yard. And, and so Bob and Jane, if you're listening to the podcast this morning, you have an awesome yard. Way to go. And, uh, but I asked Bob one day, I was like, so my yard has all these yellow patches in it and areas that don't have grass. How do you get your yard to look like, how do I get my yard to look like your yard? I said, how did you get it to look so green? And he said, it takes time. It takes time. And I've witnessed how much time it actually takes Bob and Jane to have a nice green yard. I mean, in good weather, he literally fluffs his yard, guys. Like, he's got his little leaf blower out there. I mean, there's, nothing, there's no leaves. It's the middle of summer. They're all up in the trees. But he's out there fluffing his yard, making it all nice and manic. You guys are laughing. I'll take a video and show you. He fluffs his yard 9 a.m. every morning. (laughs) On Saturdays, it's still 9 a.m. So he's fluffing his yard, and um, it it looks good. You see, I I don't really enjoy yard work, right? Like my yard gets mowed at the very last second before the mower won't mow it anymore. Some of you know what I mean because you do the same thing. In order to have a great yard, you have to mow it, you have to water it, you have to fertilize it, you have to spend time in it. It takes time. Or maybe pay somebody to spend time in it, for those of you who do that. But this is the same thing that Jesus is talking about for us. We have to remain in him in order to bear fruit in our lives. There's no magic potion or or secret ingredient that we can just spray on our yards and all of a sudden they're going to grow to the perfect length and they're going to be fully green and and luscious and they're not going to grow any longer. No. It takes time. We have to mow it. We We have to fertilize it. We have to water it. We have to remain in him. 
There's nothing that's going to magically make me into a super fruit producing believer, right? It's not going to happen. It takes time. Remain in his love. And there's lots of ways to walk this out. How are you cultivating your life to produce the fruit of the spirit? Spending time in his word, spending time with him, spending time in prayer and worship and communication with him, spending time in his presence, spending time being obedient to what he calls us to. See, I think that oftentimes that's the hardest step. And sometimes it's easy for me to say, I'm going to take time and be in his word. I'm going to take time and pray. I'm going to take time and worship. But man, to take time and actually be obedient to what he's calling me to and like outside of my normal schedule and like maybe he's calling me to do this and it's inconvenient or whatever that may be. That's what he calls us to, to cultivate an environment where the, spiritual, the fruit of the Spirit can grow. As a church, we provide on-ramps for people to cultivate their lives. Sunday morning services, community groups through the week, Tuesday night prayer meetings, um, intentional, intentional times to study God's Word in, in different classes that we offer, resources. Right now, media, you guys all have access to. These are all ways that you can cultivate your lives that are right at your fingertips, that are right there for you to be able to remain in him and produce spiritual fruit. So what is the spiritual fruit that we cultivate? Well, let's look further in Galatians because he happens to talk about it. It's crazy. These things all go together. Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. As we look at the fruit of the Spirit, I want to be clear that you do not hear me saying, do these things, and then you're going to be a great Christian. Be more loving. You need to be more peaceful. You need to be more of this. You don't hear me saying that because it's impossible for you to do these things on your own. See, I think it's awesome that it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Not the fruit of Rob, not the fruit of Phil, not the fruit of, of Christy. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Remain in God. Cultivate your life. Seek a deeper relationship with him, and these things will happen in your life. Pursue him. Remain in him, and you'll be more loving. You'll be more peaceful. You'll be more kind. Some of us need some of that, right? No? Okay, you'll have more self-control. You can't produce fruit in your life on your own. You can, however, cultivate an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can grow fruit. You can build the greenhouse for the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in your life. When you're spirit-led, we look more like Jesus, we produce more fruit, and we look less like ourselves. To produce fruit, we must change the default settings to say yes to the Spirit. We must cultivate and create an environment for the Holy Spirit to grow fruit in our lives. And finally, we must continue to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. To produce spiritual fruit, we must continue to follow. And we look down into Galatians 5 and we just move on to the next verse in 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Those who have given their lives to Him, 
We have nailed the sinful nature to the cross. We've nailed all of those things that we saw on that scripture from verse 17. We've nailed them all to the cross. But that's not the end. He says, the, next, the very next thing he says is, you must continue to be led by the Spirit. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every aspect of our lives, every part of our lives. We must continue to follow the Spirit's leading. Paul in Ephesians says to put off the sinful nature and be filled with the Spirit. And when he says that, he says be continually filled. It's, it's an ongoing thing that has to happen in our lives. We have to continue to yield or surrender our will to the Spirit, to the desires of the Holy Spirit. And we're back to that continual battle in our lives, right? Like the battle is not going to stop because you give your life to Jesus. The battle continues to rage between the sinful nature and self and my desires and what I want and what the Holy Spirit is leading me to and what the right way and the good thing and what we know to do, but sometimes we don't do it. He leads us and guides us to do that, the Spirit inside of us. Continue to remain in him. And when we look back at, at John 15, that what actually happens to a branch that, that doesn't continue to follow or doesn't remain, doesn't continue to follow the leading of the Spirit, it says it, it gets cut off. That, that it gets, if you don't remain, the, the limb dies. And we begin to not produce spiritual fruit. And, and anybody ever seen an old orchard before? Like I'm from West Virginia and in, in, in northern part, in southern part of West Virginia, northern part of Virginia, there's a lot of apple orchards. You ever driven by an apple orchard? And what happens is, is after years of like the orchards, the land, land has been sold. I know this, there's this one area where I always go fishing. Sorry, everything goes back to fishing with me. Um, there's this one area where I go fishing in southern West Virginia that there's these fields, right, of all these, all these trees. And when I was in high school, I used to drive down that road, and there used to be full of apples. Those trees, they're not big trees, but they would produce lots of apples, lots and lots and lots of apples. And I would drive down the road, and you'd see people working in the orchard, trimming them and fertilizing them and watering them and all that. I love the fish in the fall, so I get to see them harvesting that and harvesting those apples and things like that. But what happened is at some point the land was sold, right? And it was sold to a hunting club, right? So they were no longer an orchard farm. They're now a hunting club. Guess what happened to those trees whenever they weren't taken care of? Whenever they weren't being watered, when they weren't being pruned, when they weren't being taken, fertilized, they begin to die. And if you drive down that road today, you see lots of really nice sticks sticking up out of the ground. But you don't really see any trees that produce fruit. And that's what happens to us spiritually whenever we don't continue to cultivate an environment for the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. We begin to, to, to die. We begin to die spiritually. This reason we have to continue to yield and continue to follow the, as the Spirit leads us. I don't want to become a stick that's sticking up out of the ground that doesn't produce fruit. Just being real. That's what these, that's what these trees kind of look like. They look really bad. But when we continue to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, we produce much fruit. So much that it influences those that are around us. I mean, for me, when I see my neighbor's yard, right? I want a yard like that. I want to have a green yard. I like their nice landscaping, the lush green grass. How many of you guys have a yard like that? Nobody? You guys all have yards like mine that's yellow and brown? Good, I'm glad I'm not alone. Thought I was the only one. Not, none of you have nice yards? Okay, well, that's... 
Good. I just know that your priorities are in order, that it's not with the yard, but you're cultivating an environment where the spirit produces fruit inside of you. I'm glad, proud of you. But Jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples by your love, by your fruit for one another, by your love for one another. In our language, they will know that you are continuing to follow the Spirit's leading by the fruit that you produce, by your love one for another. And as we continue to follow the Spirit's leading, others will notice the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And And I think it's interesting that the writer here doesn't just say, he doesn't say fruits, plural, right? He doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit. It's a singular term. And if you want to put that that verse back up there with the, I think it's the Galatians 5.22. He says, the fruit of the Spirit. And I think it's very intentional that it says fruit. And it's one thing. That it's not you cultivate just one of these things. Like it just cultivate love in our lives. Or just cultivate just joy. Or just faithfulness. Or, or just that, this or that. Because if we did that, it, it would be really easy for me to say, well, I'm really good at loving. But my patience really stinks. Right? Because love and patience are connected, right? You have to have love in order to have patience. Or, or maybe I'm stinking at this one, but I'm really growing in this one. And I'm not, I'm, in this one over here, well, I'm okay in that one. So since I'm really good in this one, I don't really need to worry about that one. He says, the fruit of the Spirit. The point of the text and the point of what the Holy Spirit does in us is the transformation that occurs in our lives that's holistic. He doesn't just transform one area. He transforms all. If that makes sense, he transforms the whole. You can't say you're growing in some of these, but not in others. Patience is a part of love. If you're growing in love, you're growing in patience. If you're growing in joy, you're growing in faith. It's a holistic thing. They grow together. It's a whole transformation, not a part transformation. It wouldn't make any sense if I was, had needed a heart transplant that somebody just gave me half a heart, right? I would need a whole heart transplant in order for me to continue to live and pump blood through my vessels and continue to breathe. I would need a whole heart, not a part of a heart. It's a whole thing. It's a whole transformation that takes place. It grows together. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. When we continue to follow the Spirit, people notice the whole transformation, not just the part transformation of our lives. And it begins to transform them. My neighbor spends so much time in his yard, guys, that that even when the conditions aren't perfect, he's still taking care of his yard. Like, I'm not even joking. It was like five degrees like a couple weeks ago. You guys remember that when it was really cold out? Like, you couldn't even like go outside without like hurt, actually hurt. Like, I don't know why we live in a place where when you walk outside, your face hurts. Like, that doesn't make sense. But anyhow, I guess the alternative is to walk outside at some place where there's like, I don't know, lots of bugs and you start sweating. So that's not good either. But, but he's outside fluffing his yard, no joke, while it's like five degrees. I'm like, your yard isn't even growing. Like it's winter time. Do you not understand this? But he's cleaning the debris. He's, he's, he's fluffing it. He's making sure there's no other twigs. He's he literally, he won't even salt his sidewalks because the salt, if you don't know this, kills your grass. So he makes his wife walk on unsalted sidewalks because his yard is, needs to be fluffed and green and luscious and nice. They're always spending time doing that, even when the conditions aren't perfect. 
See, I think that in our lives, sometimes it's really easy to continue to follow the Spirit's leading when conditions are right. When it's a nice sunny day, you know, 70, not too much humidity, the nice little breeze blowing to where I'm not sweating when I'm outside working, or for you ladies, glistening. Like, it is, it is the perfect of conditions. If you look at, like, the yard commercials, right, like the Scott's Turf Builder commercial, it's always the perfect condition outside when they're taking care of their yards on the commercials. You ever seen that? Like, they're always, like, pushing the little fertilizer thing, and it's, like, sunny. It's never windy. It's never hot. It's never... It's always perfect. I've never felt that way. It's never a perfect time for me to take care of my yard, but that's on the other hand. But when everything in life is easy and smooth, it's easy to continue to follow the Spirit's leading and produce fruit. What about the difficult times of life? When the weather isn't exactly that perfect, when it's 100 degrees outside and you're sweating and it's 90% humidity and you walk outside and you just start sweating. It's not a really perfect time. Or how about whenever the storms come and it's like lightning and thundering and you're like, there's a lot of leaves in my yard. I really need to take care of that. Those are the times that the sinful nature sometimes comes up inside of us because at those moments are the times whenever, whenever we are maybe looking more for an alternative route than listening to the Holy Spirit's route in our lives to continue to follow him. Listen, I'm a redhead. Whenever I was younger, I had a quick temper, right? That quick temper... I have to really suppress it whenever the, storm, whenever I'm, when the storms of life are really hitting me. Just being honest, being, being authentic with you this morning. You know, whenever life isn't really going as easy as what's planned and the season of life is a little bit rough, when something happens that I don't like, what comes out? Anger or love? What comes out? Patience or rage? Jesus talked about following the Holy Spirit, producing fruit, even when the conditions are right. He said, love your enemies. Like, how absurd is that? Love your enemies. Like, if somebody came up to you in our culture today, if you walked into a high school and said, hey, you know that kid who keeps punching you in the face? Yeah, you're supposed to love him. You would get laughed at. Like, it wouldn't be something that would be, like, generally, culturally accepted to love your enemies. I can't love my enemies on my own. But when I continue to follow the Spirit's leading in everyday life, he gives me the ability to produce love. He, he gives me the ability to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are not usually our normal reactions to our enemies, correct? Right? When we follow the Spirit's leading, when conditions aren't grand, those are the times that we grow exponentially. When we continue to follow the Spirit's leading, we begin to look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. If we want to be the church that makes a difference in our community, we're only going to be that church if we continue to follow the Spirit's leading as individuals and if we're going to produce, and by producing the fruit of the Spirit in every one of our lives. I truly think that our culture is getting much more hostile in this area but for now, there, there's, no one has a problem with you being a person of faith as long as you keep it in your house, as long as you keep it to yourself, as long as you keep it in your mind or keep it in your heart, as long as it doesn't have any other bearing on the other parts of your life, it's okay for you to have faith. It belongs, you know, in church on Sundays or, 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 or maybe in your community group if you are signed up for a community group. Shameless plug for community groups. Sign up for, sign up for a community group. But it has no place in your work, no place in your neighborhood, no place in your hobbies. 
And what ends up happening is our faith becomes kind of like a, a private affair. It's like private, privatization of, of faith, if you would. And, and when we buy into that as, as believers and as a church, what happens is, is we begin to compartmentalize our faith and our being spirit-led. We begin to compartmentalize that from the other areas of our life. And so we begin to say, I'm going to be spirit-led for the hour and a half I'm in church on a Sunday morning. Or I'm going to be spirit-led during maybe the hour and a half or two hours I'm in a community group on Tuesday, Thursday, whatever night of the week that I go to community group. But outside of that, it doesn't have any bearing on the rest of my world. I'm not going to continue to follow the Spirit's leading in the other areas of my life. What you think, how you see, whether you're doubting to the things of God or not. See, honestly, like many people are excellent churchgoers, but in our culture, we're terrible followers of Jesus Christ. And I, how do you live a spirit-led life directly affects how we compartmentalize our lives. How what fruit we produce directly affects every area of our lives. So if we're going to be spirit-led, we have to be spirit-led in every area, outside of Sunday mornings, maybe in our workplace, maybe it's in our neighborhood, maybe it's in wherever areas of our lives. It has to be a holistic lifestyle. You, how do we have a spirit-led life? You walk in the spirit. You continue to follow the spirit. You live in the spirit. You, in turn, you produce spiritual fruit that impacts the culture around, around us. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to stand, and we're going to sing this song, sing a song this morning. The worship team would go ahead and come. And I think that we have to be a church that is spirit led in every area of our life. We have to produce fruit in every area. It's easy to produce fruit on Sunday mornings. It's easy to produce fruit on in our community groups. It's easy to produce fruit in all these other areas. But we have to be a spirit led body in each one of our lives. We have to change our default settings. We have to cultivate a, an environment where the Holy Spirit can produce fruit. And we have to continue to be Spirit-led. We have to continue to follow the Spirit as He guides us. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I, I want to give you an opportunity first to open your heart and allow him to transform you. Maybe you heard me talk about this morning and you said, like, I've tried to do these things that are on the screen right now. I've tried to do this on my own and, and, and I try and I know that I should, but for some reason I automatically fall back into these other areas and, and I, I don't do those. Well, well, this morning the good news is, is you don't have to continue to try to do this on your own. You don't have to continue to try to be more loving or be have more joy or have more peace on your own. But this morning, you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ who can transform you, who can be the power to help you do these things and overcome the war that rages inside of you. You can have a divine helper this morning that will guide you. He will transform you. And this morning, maybe you're here and, and, and that is you. I would challenge you maybe to say, some, say a prayer or something like this. It says, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Your word says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of knowing you. I recognize your work in my life, that you died on the cross, that I may live. And I give you my heart today. Change me. Give me the power to follow you in every area of my life. And this morning, 
maybe you're saying a prayer something like that. Maybe it was for the first time. Maybe it was for the second time. But this morning, you mean it more than you than you ever have before. that God wants to change our hearts this morning and that he's calling us into a deeper relationship with him. And and I want to take it a step further this morning. If you've never given your life to Christ and maybe you said that prayer this morning, I want to invite you to make a covenant with God today and a public declaration of faith that Today, the old is gone, and, and, and today I'm living under the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, and He's going to help me to do these things, and I'm going to get water baptized. And today, if you want to get water baptized, uh, I'm going provi- to provide an opportunity now that maybe you came this morning and you heard me at the beginning of the service say that you heard Pastor Matt during the announcements that, hey, there's a water baptism, and maybe it's been, there's a, I'll tell you a story about somebody who's getting baptized in second service that they were here the last water baptism and they they heard us talking about it during the service and they gave their life to Christ during the week like so after Sunday morning they gave their life to Christ during the week and they couldn't wait to get water baptized the next time that it was happening because they felt like they missed their moment on a Sunday morning so this morning don't miss the moment. If the Holy Spirit's pulling on your heart and you're saying, I'm supposed to get water baptized, this morning's your morning. This morning's your morning to get to do that, to make that public declaration. And so if that's you, if you want to get water baptized this morning, I'm going to invite you just to come to the front row. Christy's right here. You can just come right down. She'll show you exactly where you need to go or, or what you need to do. And she's just going to be waiting in the front row with you. doesn't matter whether you give your life to Christ today or whether you gave your life to Christ 20 years ago. It's our next step. This morning, we can be people who are dedicated to changing our default settings. We can be a people who cultivate the spirit in our lives to produce spiritual fruit. And we can be a people who are following the spirit in every area of our lives. And if we become those people, we will be a church that changes our community for the cause of Christ. Our culture isn't going to be changed by anything other than a people of God who are led by the Spirit, who are crucifying their simple nature on a daily basis, and who are following and producing, following the Spirit and producing spiritual fruit. And there's plenty of you who would agree with what I just said. But deep down inside, you know that there's areas of your life that are going to have to change in order for that to happen. And this morning, I want to invite all of us, even me included, to look at your life and go, am I producing spiritual fruit? Maybe another way to ask the same question would be, what is preventing you from producing spiritual fruit in your life? I find often it's not a huge list of things that is in my life that I need to submit to Christ or a huge list of things that I need to take care of in order to produce spiritual fruit. For me, oftentimes it's one little thing that I get tripped up on. 
It's one thing that maybe hides the hides that's a hidden sin that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe it's, you know, sometimes we say we all have you know, skeletons in your closet or whatever. Maybe it's something that's just stuck in your life that no one else knows about. But those are the things that are going to prevent us from being from hearing the Spirit of God in our lives. Those are the things that are going to be the things that are going to keep us from producing spiritual fruit in our lives. Those are going to be the things that are going to keep us from impacting our community and changing our culture. Because for a moment we change our default settings and then we hit the reset button and we go right back to where it's at. It's also, that thing is going to be the thing that keeps us from cultivating an environment where the Holy Spirit grows because it's going to produce a weed that's going to smother out the fruit that we produce in our lives. It's going to be the thing that blocks the Spirit's voice from speaking to us that we no longer continue to walk by the Spirit. And so as the worship team sings this last song today, as we per- I challenge you, confess, repent, as the scripture said, nail that, crucify that, nail that thing to the cross, give it over to Jesus. And once you do that, on the screen, there's going to be three questions to help you maybe formulate in your mind what producing fruit might look like for you. So as we sing this song, there's not going to be words on the screen. It's going to be a time of reflection. So you can sit in your seat. You can come to the altar. But I would challenge you, maybe walk through some of these questions in your life today. That we can be a people who are producing spiritual fruit that impacts our community for the cause of Christ.